Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hey everybody, how you doing? Well, that's good. You're listening to PHLY Flyers post game. My name is Bill Matz. I'm your director of fun and games for the evening. Joining me as always, Philadelphia's number one hockey beat reporter. It is Charlie O'Connor. Charlie, I uh, I'm disappointed tonight. I, I you're I not mad. It, you're disappointed. No, I'm, I'm I'm not mad. Like, how can you be mad at them? They put in a ton of effort. It's not like they weren't trying. I just see this team compete so well against some of the best teams in the league and then see them against Seattle, who is a tier below that. And uh, I know they retired. I know all of that. But they needed a little bit more oomph in those first like 30, 40 minutes and they just couldn't convert their only goal tonight, the shorthanded goal. What's your immediate reaction? Yeah, I'm with you in that I I can't get, I I can't really pin anything on them for this one. They got a point, second game of back-to-back, Seattle's rested. They, They went across the country. They're playing in an unfamiliar time zone. It's hard for me to be too critical. I will say, though, that... If they were going to win this game, you said the first 40 minutes, I think the first 20 minutes were key because to me, the first 20 minutes of this game, they were skating right with the Kraken. You know, they looked like they were on par with them in terms of energy, in terms of just feeling like they were engaged in the game. And you need it, I think, to come out of that period up by more than a goal you need it you need it to pop in two or three if if that happens maybe you can kind of just gut out the rest of it and win anyway despite the fact that they were clearly gassed in the second and especially the third but in the first i mean yeah they get that that shorthanded goal the 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 power kill penalty kill continues to be really really good at at, at creating chances and creating goals but I think you needed to create, you need to get an even strength goal at some point in that first period. And they didn't. And then once the second period came around, you started to see the, uh, the energy dip. They just looked tired. Like they, to me, they just looked tired. And then in the third period, really aside from that power play of theirs, um, which actually was pretty good. I know they didn't score enough, but the Flyers power play was actually decent. Aside from that power play, the Kraken were just everywhere. And the Flyers just looked like they were hanging on. And to their credit, they hung on. They got a point out of it. You know, getting three out of four in this back-to-back against Vancouver and Seattle, pretty darn good, honestly. But I get where you're coming from in that, you know, if they would have had a better first period, if they would have had a good bounce in overtime, we could be talking about four points. And then we're talking about an exceptional back-to-back. No, and that's the, it's, they're almost, and it's crazy to think about this, you know, three months into a season in which we thought, you know, they were going to be a horrible team, but it's almost the like curse of higher expectations. They've played so well. And even in situations where it's like, oh, they're tired. Ah, you know, it's a tough road trip. They've been able to, 
And it's not like they didn't tonight. Like you said, they eked out a point. Uh, and that's important, you know, just in terms of if you're going to be in a playoff race, if you're actually in the playoff race, getting a point out of tonight is huge. But I'm just looking. I I took note. It was like, I want to say about 9.52 left in the uh, second period, halfway through the game. They had a defensive zone draw, and I looked up at the shot count. They'd given up 10 shots. Like, Seattle, they're pretty good defensively in terms of the goals they give up, in terms of the shots they give up, but they create nothing offensively. And for a team like the Flyers, whose whole game is creating offense from defense, I just thought there was a little more there. You bottled them up so well in the first 20, 30 minutes of this game that the opportunity to get the two points and just, like, if you score three, Seattle can't win. That's that's where they're at. You know, they they had that season they had last year and everyone was like, oh, my God, look at what they're doing. They're a hundred point team. They're in the playoffs. I think they won a series. It's like, yeah, they shot a league leading 11 percent last year. This year, they're below eight and they stink again. Surprise, surprise. It's just the team I expected a little bit more. I don't want to say domination against because the Flyers, yes, they've beaten some teams up pretty good, but to expect them to dominate anyone, I guess, is silly. They're still not that great. But I, I just wanted I wanted four points out of these two games, Charlie. I maybe I'm just a mark for what they've done. I'm just a little ah, I'm a little bummed about this one, but they get the point. And I suppose if you're looking at this from a playoff race perspective, that's what matters most. Absolutely. If we're pivoting towards, you know, the Flyers making a a playoff push, this is not a bad outcome. This is what you would consider looking at this, you know, three, four months ago. This is what you would consider to be a schedule loss because they are the team that is kind of facing long odds, given the fact that they're playing against a rest of team. It's a trip. They played the night before, things like that. This is a schedule loss. It's not the end of the world. That said, I, I do think that, you know, one thing. One, there's a lot of reasons why they lost this game, mainly the, the the fatigue factor. But this is the kind of game, I think, where two things become especially apparent. One is hopefully a temporary weakness, and one is a like legitimate just fact of life with regards to this team. The first weakness is right now they have guys like Cam Atkinson who just aren't scoring. They have, you know, young guys like Tyson Forrester who just isn't scoring very much. Like this is the kind of game where not having those guys going hurts you. It really does because, you know, Sean Couturier, I don't know this for a fact, but given his ice time being down, I'm guessing he's one of the guys who's dealing with this bug that's going around that, that connect me as connect me sick. You know, this is the kind of game where not having that secondary scoring in, in guys like Atkinson and Forrester and, and honestly even Brink to a degree, it hurts. It, it hurts, and and that's how you end up only scoring one goal in this game. The other, and this is more just a simple fact of the team, is that when you have games like this where it's a schedule type of loss, you're you're kind of behind the proverbial eight ball, not everybody has energy to be giving it, you know, 110% on every shift or maybe – they are giving it 110%. This is just all they have. But this is the kind of game where it really helps when you have one or two guys that can just create a goal out of thin air. The only guy they have on the team who can create a goal out of thin air is Travis Konechny, and he kind of did that. The thing is, is that they only got one of those guys, and they only got one goal, and they lose. And this is the kind of game where, you know, if you have a Mafe Mitchkov who can do this, who can just like have one really, really good shift and create a goal out of it. You might be able to squeeze out a win. Whereas when you don't, you have to do it by committee. And when the entire committee is tired, this is what can happen. No, that's, you just touched on a bunch of things that were like, basically what I wanted to talk about tonight. Uh, The first is my number one takeaway from this game was, Man, if they just had one of those, like if they just had one, I mean, TK, we know is a a step above a lot, but he's not fucking Miko Ranton and he's not one of those guys. He's not someone who just, oh yeah, and he steps on the ice and you get scoring chances. If they just had one of those dudes, this is a 3-1 win, not a question in my mind. Um, I had it scheduled for a little later, but you brought it up. The bug 
whatever. It's clear that this, I mean, they played last night. It's a West Coast trip. They're just tired. But I saw you tweet at one point, like, Sean Couturier right now is 11th in terms of the forwards and ice time. Like, he's your number one center. He is your best all-around player. This has to be a little bit of motherfucker sick, right? That's my guess. Like I'm, I'm, I'm obviously not on this trip, so it's not something that I can very quickly check out by just talking to someone around the team. But it would make sense. It would track. Obviously, his line mate is sick. Um, presumably, they're right next to each other on the bench most of the game. It's not like they could just quarantine Travis Konechny. So it would make sense that you know possibly the guy sitting next to him might have got Sean Couturier sick. It's just you know, and and who knows? Maybe Couturier is a little banged up. But that said, they just did have a four day break, so. I'm hoping he's not to me it would make more sense if he's just just feeling under the weather and maybe they were they were watching his minutes in this game I guess you never know maybe it was just the way the flow of the game played out but to me the the broadcasters keep saying that there's a bug going through the team obviously the broadcasters are not going to tell you this guy's sick and this guy's sick and this guy's sick and name every single player but the way that Jim Jackson and Brian Boucher were talking about it, because obviously they have inside information, it seems like this ain't just one guy who's sick. It, it seems like there are quite a few guys yeah. on this team that are ill. And it's pretty much common sense. Like, not only is a bug going throughout, and like, if you know anyone right now, you probably know someone who's sick. Like, yeah. everyone gets together around the holidays. Like, we we learned a lot about this, you know, in the last couple of years. Like, <laughs> oh yeah, getting together leads to illness. And like, not only is that, the, like, they're on a road trip. They all flew together. You're seeing Travis Konechny every time. Like, he blocked, like, Yes, he blocks some shots. He's doing some things that, okay, he's hobbled. It's it's really just every time he's coming off the ice, there's something obviously the matter with him. He didn't finish last night's game. It's clear that this team's dealing with something. So in some regard, getting three out of four points, getting a point tonight in the back end of back-to-backs is huge. Uh, but I'm just, goddamn. I, I was just feeling this one. I don't know. It was a Friday night game, late night. I said last night, I love the late night stuff. I, uh, I'm i up for these, and I, I was just a little disappointed, but I, I get it. You know, like, listen, Charlie, you, you had to basically cover a show for me earlier this week where I was just like, yeah, I can't do it. Like, shit happens. So uh, I'm happy with the overall effort. It's just like, man, uh, and that's the last thing I wanted to bring up from all your bunch of points there. A game like tonight where Couturier doesn't have it, Konechny makes something happen, but he's clearly not himself. Yeah. You need Forster, Brink, these young guys who it's not fair to count on, but also they've accounted pretty well for themselves through the first part of this season. They're a part of this thing now. They're a part of a team that's pushing for the playoffs. You need something out of those guys, and they could – they didn't give you anything extra tonight. There was no, all right, man, you know, best players are kind of feeling it. Let's step up and get one for them. That wasn't there. Yeah. And, and to be clear, like we do, we can't lose sight of the fact that these are young guys that are developing and absolutely. Well, I, I, and, and like, I'm not going to rip them for no, not no, no. producing because to be quite honest with you, the production they've gotten from these guys is probably more than anybody expected. They were going to be providing this season that said, and you make a really good point here. Here's the thing. The flyers are in it now. Like they are in this race and these guys are key contributors on a team that is overachieved, that is exceeding expectations. And if this team is going to continue overachieving and exceeding expectations, those guys are going to have to continue to produce. Now I'm if, if Bobby Brink goes into a, a three-week-long slump, I'm not going to write off Bobby Brink. I'm not going to say, oh, man, he stinks. But it will hurt this team if he just can't score for a while because he is in a top-nine role. So is Tyson Forrester. Hell, before a couple games ago, Tyson Forrester was your first-line left winger. Like, you can't afford those guys – if you're a rebuilding team that isn't in the mix, it's like, who cares? Just figure, yeah. just let, let them, let them figure it out. They're going to go through stretches where they don't score. It, it's just, it's just the way it goes. If you're a team that's in the mix for a playoff spot, while you don't want to 
like write these guys off because they're struggling because they're kids who are getting used to the NHL level. That said, you do need more from them if you're going to stay in the mix for a playoff spot. No, and that's the like I'm obviously willing to deal with the ups and downs because that's what makes those guys in the lineup specifically are what makes this year worth even considering, oh, they're in a playoff push. They should try to win games. Like, if it wasn't for those guys in the lineup, it would be like, why aren't they tanking? What the fuck are we doing here? Right. Uh, but because of their place, it's like uh, we need a little more out of you, and it might be unfair to expect it, but on a night like tonight, you kind of need it, and they weren't there, but they are young guys. It's going to be the ups and the downs, and it's that's what you have to deal with when you're walking this line of, well, we're rebuilding – but also the team's way better than expected. So they can probably make the playoffs if they keep up at this pace. <laughs> yeah. It's it. They're in such a weird spot. Like I want to do some year end stuff. Uh, this is me and Charlie's last show together before the new year. Um, so we I will not be, we will like, not be doing the post game for the new year's Eve game. There we, will we be, off. we took off. There will, <laughs> there will be a post game new year's Eve. I hope you all tune in. Uh, Calgary and the Flyers. It's a winnable game. I'm not doing it. <laughs> Charlie, it's the uh, it's the Magic Johnson. I'm not going to be here. <laughs> like, but this is our last show, and I want to do some year end stuff. And it's like the steps they've taken in the course of these like 12 months is unbelievable. To the point where I'm disappointed in a loss on a fucking Friday night in December, like yeah. a year in which I was hoping they were going to go 0 and 82. I am now like, oh, man, that second point would have been real nice. Uh, and we're going to get into some more of that stuff in a minute. But first, I got to tell you about our friends at Rocket Money. I've been telling you about them for a couple of weeks now. But uh, if you're like me, you're probably not the most uh, financially responsible. <laughs> and that's where Rocket Money is huge because Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. I can see all of my subscriptions in one place, and if I see something I don't want, I can cancel with just one tap. I never have to get on the phone with customer service. Oh, my God. I, I told you about Ava's car accident the other night, but me dealing with customer service, uh, you know, insurance – triple a uh tow truck oh my god it's a nightmare for me it's my nightmare scenario rocket money handles all that for for you and they'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20 percent all you have to do is take a picture of your bill and rocket money takes care of the rest Rocket Money has over 5 million users and helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled subscriptions. You go, oh man, it's Hulu, it's Apple TV, it's a couple of bucks. It all adds up. If you don't use it, that's money down the drain. Rocket Money takes care of it for you. So stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. That's rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Rocketmoney.com slash PHLY. Uh, I love that ending. It's great. It's really, this is my new favorite thing. Because one, <laughs> it, it's, I get to talk about like how irresponsible and ridiculous I am. And that's always funny. And also I get, to, I, I get to do the ending and point at people and give them the real call to action there. It's, uh, it's even I, better. Honestly, it's even better when we're doing these shows because you can actually like go right up to the camera. Like you're yelling I'm, at people. <laughs> I'm so close to my camera. When I go like I'm right on top of it. So exactly. it's, it's a good time. Uh, I, I don't want to just dwell on the negative tonight. Cause like, fuck man, the flyers are so much better than I expected. I I'm going to kill them over an overtime loss and a back to back. That's silly. Um, I want to talk about Carter Hart because this oh, yeah, guy, this dude, that Detroit game, his first game back, that first period was a disaster. That sixth goal, you know, I compared it to Michael Layton. It was, that was a heartbreaking goal to allow. What he has done in the, let's call it four periods since then with overtime now and last night, like, yeah, yeah. he is uh, right back where he was prior to his extended time off. We've seen him struggle with time off in the past. 
and then kind of bounce back. But this bounce back has been he's been phenomenal. There's no other way to put it. No, he he's come out really strong. I I, I did um I did go back and listen to the full John Tortorella post game interview yesterday, and Tortorella did say, which I thought was interesting and important context about last night's game. He did say that they essentially gave Carter Hart the heads up at second intermission that hey Sam might not be able to play the rest of this game. Get focused and prepare for the possibility to, uh, to to come in. So I'm sure that helped him. I'm sure that helped him come in. You know, obviously, he was coming in physically cold last night, but he wasn't coming in mentally cold. He knew it was a possibility. He was preparing himself for it. Obviously, last night he was fantastic in relief of Airson. And yeah. tonight, look, if the Flyers had won this game, I probably would have had Carter Hart as the first, second, and third star, um, unless the, the guy who scored the game winner just had an amazing game-winning goal. But Carter Hart was the reason why they stayed in this game. The final 40 minutes of this game was the Carter Hart show, truthfully. And this is, you know, I talked about how I was disappointed in someone like Cam Atkinson. And I was disappointed, honestly, in, in players like uh, like Nick Delorier and, uh, and Garnet Hathaway. That fourth line got crushed tonight. I well, we're going to wanna- bring them up. Yeah, but like I want to see the veteran guys step up in a game like this. And while a yeah. lot of the veteran guys tonight did not step up and put the team on their back, Carter Hart stepped up and tried to put the team on his back. Now, obviously, he ultimately gives up the game winner in the sh- in, in, in overtime. But this guy, like that game does not get to overtime if Carter Hart isn't oh. fantastic the whole game, especially in the second and third period, the third period, they were all over him and he was just making save after save. Uh, look, I thought it was a really interesting segment. And this is, it's especially interesting because obviously we, we both watched the, the, the NBC sports Philadelphia feed with Jim Jackson and Brian Boucher. And it's always going to be interesting hearing about goalies from Brian Boucher, you know, a former NHL goalie and a pretty darn good one at that. And Boucher went into a little bit of a, not a rant, but just kind of a an extended explainer about the fact that the fact that you have Carter Hart and Sam Harrison both playing well, it's not really a goalie controversy. It's actually a really good thing for the team. And yeah, these two guys are going to be battling for ice time, but that's not a bad thing. As long as nobody, you know, gets, I guess, for lack of a better term, pissy about it, you know, it's actually good because you have two goalies that are playing really, really well. And Erson stepped up in uh, in the absence of Hart when Hart was dealing with this uh, with this medical condition or whatever ultimately was. Now Hart's back and he's, you know, jumped right back into the, into the thick of things. He's playing as well as he's played all year. Suddenly the Flyers have two legitimately above average goalies <laughs> that they can throw in at any night. And and it's it's less of a goalie controversy than just a really good problem for the Flyers to have. Yeah, that's I don't I don't see it as a controversy because for the time being at least, Carter Hart is the undisputed guy. Yeah. And on nights like last night or in a back to back situation, whatever it might be, when you need to put the other dude in, it's not like all right, scheduled loss. You know, like obviously tonight with the schedule and everything, but like if you have to put Erson in, they might win. In fact, they often do. Like it's it's a really nice thing. And just to touch on Brian Boucher, because I have really, really been digging him as the uh, as the color man. Listen, Jonesy's yeah, my job. boy. Jonesy <laughs> is my boy. I'll always love Keith Jones uh, on and off the air, on and off the ice, whatever. Boosh is making one hell of a case for, yo, why don't we have goalies always as the color man? Like, it's this thing that no one can really explain. No one knows how to evaluate it. Like, they have their own coaches. No (laughs) one understands goaltending except for goalies. Why don't we just have goalie color commentators and then that part of the game is explainable. Jim Jackson knows more about hockey than me or you or fucking anybody, but he can't explain goaltending because nobody but goalies can have a goalie. I I think he's making, uh, one, a name for himself. I'm going to be real happy if he's still our color commentator in a couple of years because he might, you know, be one of those guys who gets the bigger and better job. And obviously he already has a lot of Jones' right. responsibilities nationally, but he's yeah. killing it. That's all I wanted to put out there. Uh, with yeah, I, I also, oh, go ahead. 
No, I, I really liked – and look, don't get me wrong. I understand that on a local broadcast, the guys are going to be homers. Like that's just part of it. That's part of yeah. the gig. And, and I'm not critiquing the fact that like Jim Jackson does very clearly refer the Flyers as he color as he does play-by-play. I get it. But I did like there me was too. a sequence – there was a sequence um, in this game where Jim Jackson complained about what he thought was a potential goalie interference by the the Seattle Kraken because the guy took the puck into essentially into Carter Hart. And I did like how Boucher, he very much came off in this in this back and forth as a national broadcaster, not a Flyers broadcaster. And he basically was like, honestly, I don't think that's a penalty. He said, you know, maybe if he would have scored and pushed Carter Hart in by, you know, scored by pushing him into the net, maybe that gets overturned. But I don't think that's an interference penalty. And I just I like that. It, it, it's yeah. it's nice to see that Boucher has and the confidence to, you know, kind of push back a little bit when JJ maybe goes a little bit too far on the homer side. No, and like that's huge for a, like a young color commentator. Like I know young, like a guy who's not been in the business forever. That's a huge thing. There was a little um there's just a little moment after the tying goal because it looked like it hit sealer and they talked about the shot blocking thing. And I've only ever heard like one goalie really speak out about it. It was Ilya Brzezgalov. And he talked about like, he went to uh, Peter Laviolette and said, I want to see the shot and stop the shot. And then I need my boys to clear the porch. And Peter said, well, we block shots here. (laughs) And it's like, all right. He just like, Briz in the times he had success in his career, I looked up the numbers and it was like, those are not shot blocking teams. And then Mm. he comes here. It was all about shot blocking and it all went to hell. And I've only ever heard that side of it. And tonight after the, uh, after the tying goal, they're like, Oh, sealer. Like, yeah, he might've got a piece of that. Do you want your guys always blocking shots? And he goes, I'd love to fight through the traffic because I know my guys are selling out to block the shots and I have to do less. Like it was just a really inside kind of thing that you don't get with the without a goalie's perspective there so i just really i appreciated that but charlie since you brought up the fourth line um i thought they were i thought they were strong in detroit i know you don't want to bunch in the you know before the break because it was five days off but the fourth line i thought was strong in detroit we started saying scott lawton's getting starting to really pick up his game a little bit and i thought last night again the fourth line was making a difference um tonight not so much the case they kind of got their heads kicked in what did you what did you see from the fourth line it was rough and in all honesty i like i'm not saying scott law had a great game but he makes a nice play on the the connecting goal to me this was primarily hathaway and, and delorier like they were they just looked very very slow and neither of them is a burner normally but they looked real, real slow. They just looked they looked like they were chasing the game. The numbers were were ugly. The the final numbers per uh, natural stat trick, uh, when they were on the ice, they allowed uh, 0.85 goals, expected goals against. They created 0.01. That is a 0.59% expected goal share. That is not 59%, 0.59, sub 1% expected goal share. They just every time they were on the ice, they were trapped in the defensive zone. That's just what it was. They did not have a great night. And, you know, maybe again, this play, this goes into the fatigue factor of they are an energy line. Like that is their, that is their job. Their job is to create energy. It's kind of hard to be an energy line when you have no energy. (laughs) And what we saw tonight was what happens when you have an energy line that lacks energy, they get absolutely destroyed and they got absolutely destroyed. But I'll tell you, and anyone who watched the, uh, the most recent season of um, God damn it. Not letter. Kenny Shorzy. You need them to get the boys going. I realize like nobody had energy. Everyone's probably a little sick. That said, these dudes, it's not as if they're, it's not as if they're hauling pianos on their back. It's fair. These guys play 10 minutes a night. If you need the fucking energy line to provide energy to a team that doesn't have it and they don't, that's rough. And like, yeah. I don't want to kill them. Cause I think overall this season, they've been a plus rather than a minus, whether it's been paling or Lawton, I've liked the fourth line for the most part. Uh, and the last two games, again, I liked what I saw out of them, but this is a game where the team lacked whatever they needed 
and the line that's supposed to get the fucking boys going, <laughs> they didn't have it either. You know, like that's that's a valid criticism. I know, like yeah, you oh, and I 100%. will, you and I will take heat because we've been critical, you know, of these types of guys. But if I had my way, like I'd be one of those types of guys in the fucking NHL. <laughs> like that's what I would want to be. And so I look at it and just go. Ah, they need this was the one they needed you in, and they just didn't quite have it tonight. Um uh, I this is this one's a bummer. That, that's really all <laughs> I have to say about this one. I wanted it, and I really right. think I really think it's I have some sort of disdain for Dave Hackstall, and you are back, not alone. A lot of people I, too in this city. I don't I don't think I ever Maybe his first year. I don't even think I like covered him as like a you know, journalist. I won't call myself that because you're actually one. Uh, and that's that's insulting to you to call whatever I did as journalism. But like, I I don't know what it is. I just have a problem with that guy. Maybe he just encapsulates the era of hockey that was so goddamn disappointing and led us to where we are now, where they believe they have to start over. I just don't like like what is it about Dave Hackstall that bothers this fan base so much, Charlie? You you are so plugged into this fan base. You hear from everybody. What bothers us about him? Well, I, I think it, you kind of hit the nail on the head. Number one, in that he has sort of for a lot of fans become the face of a really frustrating era, especially given the fact that that era didn't ultimately produce much of anything. Really, all it produced was one like exciting season that got destroyed by COVID and then the whole thing completely fell off the rails. So it's not even like he gets remembered as well. We had to deal with this before we got the good times. He just remembers, he just remembered as a guy who was incredibly frustrating, got fired. And then this is the worst part. He then apparently got better somewhere else. So you get even more frustrated because it's like, well, God damn it. You, you just coached, an expansion team in its second year to the playoffs where the hell was this version of dave haxtell in philly because in philly you were benching oscar limblom for yuri latera like what is even going on here so i think it's it's primarily that he is associated with a very frustrating era of flyers hockey but there's probably a little bit of annoyance that he apparently got better his second time around after he left philly and honestly like diddy like Seattle, honestly, it's it's impossible to tell because that roster is no good. I know they had the year they had last year, but again, they shot eleven percent, led the league. It uh, helps, and now, yeah, like sometimes that shit just happens. But I was, uh, I, I, here it is from F Flyers Nation. They tweeted earlier today. This was almost six years ago. It's from April twentieth, twenty eighteen. Travis Sanheim scratched. Oscar Lindblom scratched Dale Weiss in Philpola, <laughs> the first line center pro V a Mac first pair and man and good is still together. Dave Hackstall has had, has had a hell of a 420. And like, that's what it comes to. <laughs> like, that's literally what it comes down to for me with him is like, were you put in the best situation? Absolutely not. Also, you thought bad players were good and good players yep. were bad. And you've said were, that like, so much, and you're absolutely right. It, that, that, it was that's literally the only thing I said for two years. Uh, my fucking job hosting Broad Street Hockey while he was the coach was you could have just played a tape recorder. It's like, all right, well, here we go. Dale Weiss. Like, all right, yeah. <laughs> here, Valtteri Filppula, here we are. Like, that was that, was that era, and rightfully or wrongfully, because he was Hextall's guy. Hextall got fucking fired to not fire him this was him like remember his last like his magnum opus like his last game yep scratching limblom again like he did oh all God. of his shit and i then, I, I, uh, I will never forget that it was just you know what like he way he lived uh, he died as he lived he that's what the it way he lived to. no exactly. he was you, you kind of got to respect it if it was an irish wake you'd be like what can you say he died the way he lived. Like he went out playing Yuri Laterra, goddamn coke dealer who was no good, but we had to play him no matter what.
Uh, oh my what, God. What's my next read? It's it's Foco. Congrat. Uh, that's awesome. Foco has the absolute best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. Whether you're looking for team apparel for the season ahead, they've got overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, anything you need for game day. Or maybe you're in the market for some accessories, toys, or collectibles for your Man Cave She Shedder podcast set. You've got to use FOCO for all your team gear needs. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in the description of this show. And for all non-presale items, use promo code PHLY10. That's promo code PHLY10 for 10% off. Uh, You all have not followed my instructions. You need to go to my Twitter. And retweet the video of me celebrating receiving from Foco Claws the ugly eagle sweater. Because I think, Charlie, you and I have been doing this a long time together. I think this is the best work I've ever done. Uh, so take that for what you will. Foco, baby. Should, they should always start, have our- Should we start calling it the the not the not ugly eagle sweater? Because it <laughs> is you have you have to you have to call it the ugly eagle sweater because that's the whole brand, is it's an ugly sweater. Yeah. But the thing is it's not an ugly sweater. It is not it's, it's a very gorgeous. nice sweater. I, I went to I went to Ava Graham's pep rally tonight up at uh, Maggie's on the waterfront. It was a great time. I wore the sweater nonstop compliments. People loved that sweater. If you want to get it, get it at Foco. Use promo code PHLY10. All right, Chuck. Um, I don't know how long we're going to go tonight. I do want to, however, do some year end stuff. And with yeah, that said, it. like tonight's game. What are you going to do? So fuck your regular three stars. Let's do Charlie O'Connor's three stars of 2023 from January 1st of last season all the way through tonight. Charlie, let's hear star number three of the last 12 months. Okay. Star number three of the last 12 months. This is, this is interesting. Um, I, I think I'm going to go with star number three. I am going to go a little off board here. I am going to go Dan Hilferty. Oh! Because he came in, replaced Dave Scott, I assume was part of the decision to usher Chuck Fletcher out, got the organization to embrace a rebuild, approve the Matt Vay Mitchkoff pick, which is something that ownership obviously had to approve. Like that's not something that a, that yeah. a GM can just do when you're like, Oh, we're drafting no. this guy with the seventh overall pick who might not come over for three years. Like, yeah, y- your, your owner has to say, we're cool with that. And honestly, what he's done a really good job of so far is he's never going to be at Snyder. No one's ever going to be at Snyder, but no. you're seeing him around more. You're seeing him in the locker room after games. You're, you you see him up in the press box. You see him on the concourse. You see him at charity events and whatnot. It's very clear that he's making an effort. He's making an effort, and he has done something in that organization to remove the delusion that actually everything was fine and nothing needed to be fixed. So I'm going to go with Dan Helferty at number two. And whether he is – whether we can credit him with this or not, there's a section of the fan base that think Dave Scott and Valerie Camillo were all that was wrong with the organization. He has replaced that. And a small thing I noticed, and like he's not been around forever. It's not like this dude, like you've known him as long as you've known Travis Sanheim or something. When we did the tour of the Wells Fargo Center, you got a mo, he did a little scrum. And you got a chance to ask him a question and he goes, Oh, Charlie, I knew you were like, he's, (laughs) he knows the fucking media. Like, listen, you are as much a face of the thing towards the fans as anyone else. And his recognition of you and his willingness to like go back and forth with you is huge. Like that is, I think that's a tremendous star. Number three, honestly, you could have picked Hilferty as number one. And I would have been like, yeah, makes sense. So with that said, Let's go to star number two. Yeah, star number two. I'm gonna go with the guy who, um, the guy who's honestly done a really good job thus far, and that's John Tortorella. Um, the fact that this team is where it is right now, like that's a testament to the job he's done coaching. And I also give him credit too for, like, one thing that that I did not understand was why the Flyers 
were not acknowledging that they needed to rebuild. That was the the the, the clear frustration point for me. In my mind, it was, you know what, Claude Giroux is gone. That's it. It's over. Claude Giroux was your star player. Once you trade Claude Giroux, once you make the decision that you're going to trade him, that you're not going to resign him, it's time to begin again. And for whatever reason, they spend another offseason and the first two thirds of the next season just like gnawing at the at the final aspects of their old plan. And there was one voice in the organization that was screaming basically from the moment he got here that they need to rebuild. And that was John Tortorella. And if if nothing else, even if his coaching career in Philadelphia ends poorly, if this whole thing blows up at some point over the next couple of years, it he deserves credit. For, it, it could. But he deserves credit for being the guy who kind of pushed the organization in the direction of this shit ain't working. We need to start over. And then you look at the record they have this year. I can't give it to any give number two to anybody other than Tortorella. I mean, Tortorella is in my mind, and listen, you know, I'm um, like you said about the the hometown announcers, they're gonna be homers. I'm gonna do the same thing. In my mind right now, the Jack Adams front runner is John Tortorella. And that guy, it's we've we've laughed about it for the last year. The sane voice in the room has been John Tortorella. <laughs> like, <laughs> that's and that's how fucked this organization yep. has been for the yep. last, you know, leading up to basically last spring. John Tortorella was the sane guy. So I'm right there with you with Torts. Uh, the job he's done is tremendous. I mean, uh, I don't know who you can credit for unlocking this next level in Travis Sanheim and TK. I mean, the goalies have been tremendous. Sean Walker all of a sudden went from throw-in to you know, guy who we're going to get a first-round pick for or resign, maybe both. You know, like uh, it's Torts to me. Yeah, that's again. A good dec- he would have made a fine star number one. So I'm very much anticipating who you have at star number one. Yeah, I just think it's the best player on the team is Travis Konechny. To me, you know, he is the top player on the team. Sean Gatore is the most well-rounded player on the team. That said, if we're talking about the entirety of 2023, Sean Gatore didn't play for half that time. He did not play last season. Travis Konechny, he did have a stretch in early 2023 when he was injured, so he missed some time. But he has been the one consistent dynamic offensive threat that this team has. He is the closest thing, and I don't think he qualifies as a star, but he is the closest thing they have to a star. And I got to give him a ton of credit for, number one, adapting to John Tortorella. Number two, changing his game to, to shake off the multiple seasons where it looked like he because he it, it looked like in 2019 2020 he was in the midst of a breakout he had that great season he was nearly a point per game and then that guy never came back after uh the, the pandemic pause and you started to think you know maybe he's just a guy maybe he's just a a decent middle six forward that's all he is for the last you know season and a half i guess we can say he's been a legitimate top line forward and to me like I went into this offseason thinking they need to trade Travis Konechny because you got to sell high. He might, you know, what happens if he, if, if last year was just his career season and then he regresses, he hasn't regressed at all. He's been the flyers best forward. And I give him a lot of credit for, uh, you know, for working to, to get not just back to the level he was at in 2019, 2020, but honestly, even better. Um, so I give Travis Konechny the number one star of 2023. Since the beginning of January, these last 12 months, 30 goals for TK. And that's with missing considerable amount of time at the end of last season. And, you know, everything that's gone into this year, it's not as if this team scores a ton, but this dude is there. And like Sean Couturier is there. It's him. It's the trial. It's, it's the Travi and Coots. They have changed the timeline in my head. In my head, this was, all right, let's just build for three years from now when Mitchkov comes over and then like five years from now. Cool. Let's see where we are. Uh, these guys being what they've been since last season and then Coots now starting this year has changed the timeline and no one's been better than Travis Konechny. He scores the only goal tonight on a uh, shorthanded effort of, of three men to actually get that puck in the back of the net. He's been fucking phenomenal. And the adaptation 
to uh, to John Tortorella, I don't think can be understated. Like he's the example now. Like we, you need Cam Atkinson, you need Mark Stahl, you need these guys who can interpret Tortorella for the next group of dudes. Now you actually have the success story. Yeah, who's closer to the age of these young guys than yeah. like a cam like cam atkinson and mark Stoll are fucking my age like they have more in common with john tortorella than they do probably some of these young dudes now you have tk who is gonna be 21 forever uh and <laughs> he like he actually can be that bridge to this next group of dudes is like man tortorella is just killing me and he can go listen he did the same thing that he fucking benched me you know, we always talk about what went on with uh, with Kevin Hayes, but it was the both. Was it the same? Was it against like San Jose or something where it's just yeah, everyone? It was, San Jose. it was everyone sucked. And so he just went, you two ain't playing the third period. Well, yeah. Kevin Hayes is in St. Louis. Travis Konechny is here and he's one of the teams, if not the team's best player. Like, exactly. That's it's a, a really fucking success story. That is that's a well-deserving Star number one, Charlie, if you want to see that star number one up close, I got to tell you, you got to do it with game time, baby. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all the sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. Game time is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance. Game time has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. I've told you for the last couple of weeks, there's no better gift than the gift of experiences. Man, you don't even have to plan in advance. It's just like, Hey baby, I got us uh, I got us tickets to this game or if she's not in the sports to this show, to this comedy act we love. No matter what it is, use game time. Get exclusive flash deals on tickets for football, basketball, baseball, concerts, comedy, theater and more and the game time guarantee means you always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section in a row for less, game time will credit you 110% of the difference. So snag the tickets without the stress with game time. Download the game time app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download game time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. And with that, Charlie, I, I love when you... <laughs> act out the way i'm reading because i have it on yes. another screen and i came back and i saw it i was like oh that's the best with that i think we should talk a little bit more year-end stuff the yeah three stars of 2023 have got me in the mood to uh sing old lang syne i won't do it because i don't think i know the words uh but this like <laughs> i said is our, uh, you know it's it's at the end of ghostbusters 2 so i really should know it uh but for the first thing i i want to talk about in this uh I mean, most ridiculous year, whether it's you and I professionally, like yeah, right. everything we've been through since we got dropped by SB Nation, we went independent, we got this. Like the craziest shit that has happened, I think there are two things that are competing. One, the selection of Matt Vay Mishkov. You said it earlier, like the number of people that must have signed off on this. And we've heard like Danny Briere was the biggest fan of this kid. And when he met with him at the draft, he was like, yup, this is my guy. We're taking him. And then he's there and they take him and everything they've been through, like Fedotov and everything with Russia. That's wild. Is it more ridiculous than the hiring of professional hilarious dude keith jones <laughs> as the as the president of hockey operations for one of the most storied franchises in the nhl like which one of these two th they directly correlate like if they weren't in the position they're in they can't get mitchkov they don't need mitchkov they also aren't looking for an outside the box hire so they're they're related which one's more fucking hilarious to you so I what I will say is that while I think that the Jonesy hire on its face is more ridiculous, 
I think when you really peel back the curtain and you understand what they were looking for in a president of hockey operations, it's not as ridiculous because once you realize that what they were mostly looking for was a smart hockey dude who can be the public face and is really good at communicating, then it's like, okay, you know what? Honestly, given those criteria, Keith Jones does make sense because you don't like like the guy who I wanted them to hire as president of hockey operations. My top choice was Doug Wilson. I thought Doug Wilson would be a really good fit to kind of be like the mentor guide for a young general manager and Danny Breer who doesn't have a lot of experience. That's not what they wanted. What they wanted was someone who basically is just going to let Danny cook. And so far, so good on that on that front. But Keith Jones was never going to come into this with the ego of saying that like i need to be running the show here which what i what i've gathered is quite a few guys who were who were interviewed for this position did come in and say hey if you're going to make me present hockey operations like i want power i want more power than the other guys in this mix and they were like well that's not what we're looking for so you know thanks for interviewing but you're probably not going to get a call back keith jones because of what they wanted in this position it actually does make sense even if it, i acknowledge this because i laughed about it it is inherently ridiculous that they hired their color commentator to run the team like that is ridiculous but i do understand once i had a better read on what they were looking for out of the position like it does make a strange sort of sense if the more you get to know him and understand what they were looking for, like you said, it continues to make more sense. But it is like on the face of it. On the face this of this guy, yeah. like this guy, when I used to do hits for the morning show, like just come in and talk about hockey or do whatever ridiculous shit you're doing, he would just stare at me like this <laughs> as I'm like, I'm trying, like, this is my, this is my opportunity. I'm on the WIP morning show. I get, like, I'm doing some bit that I'm like focused on. And I just have this fucking guy staring at me for like eight consecutive minutes. I swear he never blinked, but like when you oh, really man. think about his career and who he's able to communicate with, like, this is a, yeah, he had a nice run and he had a great ability to like play with star players. That's why they brought him in to play with Lindros. That's why he was a good fit to play with Joe Sackick. But like, dude was no, by no means an all star, but carved out a little niche for himself. And then in his post career, like, who is he great at communicating with? The fans and media conglomerates, like corporate, corporate people. Well, who runs the Flyers? Yes, it's a subsidiary of Comcast. Spectacore isn't the same thing. But at the end of the day, yeah, it fucking is. And you know what they never wanted to hear? Rebuild. That's why they've never, ever done it. Like, he was able to both sell them and sell someone like me, who's just a raving lunatic. He's able to communicate with all of us. So, while on the face of it, Keith Jones is... Uh, an asinine pick quite honestly it makes sense and the mishkov draft pick is actually insane because this is the players talking about yeah i I think the mishkov thing it's to me the the craziest part is that he slipped all the way to seven he fell yeah that that is because this sort of thing does not happen to the flyers especially over the last 10 10 or so years that kind of good fortune where you have a guy who look going into if we think back to where we were all at this time last year the assumption was Connor Bedard's going number one. Matthew Mitchkoff's going number two. And it was around this time where you were starting to get some, some inkling that like, well, you know, he might slip because the Russia thing. But the idea that he was going to slip all the way to seven, you're like, seven. Yeah, maybe, he'll, like maybe he'll slip to three or four. Maybe because this Fantilli kid, he's real good. And there's this Carlson guy who people are into. Like, yeah, maybe he'll slip a couple picks. But the idea that he could slip all the way to seven and the idea that the Flyers, because the big thing we criticized them for all of last year was you have this draft where you have three, maybe four legitimate superstars. And this is the year where you guys are like, nah, we ain't going to rebuild. Not, no, no, we got to, we got to contend. We got to go for this. We got (laughs) to trade three draft picks for Tony D'Angelo. And we're all just banging our heads against the wall being like, this was the time to purposely lose. And instead you guys are trying to win one game in a playoff series. Like that's what we're doing here. And the fact that they were able to 
almost get away with not tanking because they luck into Matt Bay Mitchkoff slipping to seven. Like there is a sense here where you're like, maybe the hockey gods finally were like, you know what? We've we've put this organization and this fan base through a little bit too much over the last five, six, seven years. We're gonna look, we're gonna throw them a bone. We're gonna give them this Mitchkoff guy and let him have and and we'll see what happens with Mitchkoff. You know, maybe maybe the hockey guys will pull the rug out from under everyone again and he'll never be able Probably. to come over from Russia. Or maybe he'll be a bust or whatever. But at the very least, and this is so important for for Flyers fans, at the very least, he's giving people hope. Like he's giving people hope that he could be the next Lindros, the next Drew. You know, he could be the next next game breaking star. I do not know how depressed Flyers fans would be if they did. Like, they all the talk you hear about tanking and all the talk you hear about they need more high end talent. Imagine how much louder that would be if they didn't have at least Mitch Coff in the wings. Charlie, if they had just drafted Ryan Leonard. I realize your credibility keeps this show on the rails. You are an an even-headed, logical human being. Uh, However, if we did not have a star-caliber Matt Vay-Mishkov in waiting, um, I would hate what's going on right now. Like, I would be (laughs) fucking... I'd be like, oh, they got a point tonight, and that's bad. Like, me, like I'm doing the show, like, oh, they got a point, and I'm a little disappointed they didn't get two. You know, the show would be, these fucking assholes. Like, oh, of course they got a loser point. Like, he, his presence has changed my mindset. And while I don't want to, like, over-evaluate whatever I am in, in the space here, I do believe I kind of speak for a good portion of Flyers fans because I am one. And he and watching what he's done in the KHL, like, yeah, we got a star coming. We're going to have to wait for him, and that sucks. But we got one coming, so if they can just, like, figure some other shit out, in the meantime, they got three years. It's not going to be horrible, and I'm not going to be, like, throwing shit at my TV every other night. Like, so, like, his presence has changed everything i think about the way a lot of people perceive this team now obviously he along with color gauthier both need to hit they need to hit hard but you can sell two things in sports winning and hope and we got fucking hope and that's not something i had 18 months ago so absolutely uh the mishkov stuff Uh, i wanted to do flyers mvp of 2023 i think in your three stars of you know the year or whatever you laid that out pretty well like you know tk be your number one you know actually because i thought about this you had this in the outline actually no and here's here's the thing like there's a difference between being the first star of the year and being the mvp to me the mvp of the flyers is sean couturier because when okay. Sean Couturier was not on the team, they stunk. When he came back and played yeah. like Sean Couturier, they're good. To me, like Travis Konechny has been great. And he has been the, he, I think, had the best year of anybody on the Flyers because he played in both seasons and he was great in both seasons. He but was really good last year, too, though. He was real, they exactly. Exactly. He was really good last year and they were still a really bad team. Sean Couturier comes back and turns the Flyers from a really bad team into an intriguing team that might make the playoffs. I think Sean Couturier is 100% the team's MVP. And just to differentiate from you, I guess I'll go with Torts. Um, number That's, a good, one, that's a good choice. I mean, number one, he's just killing it. And two, I mean, for our job, Charlie, is there? A, uh, he's the best. Like he's just, <laughs> he's just the absolute fucking best. And like to your point about Coots, though, like, and we, I have, I see a comment here. I'm not going to read it, but like Forster and Brink, yeah, that's like an infusion of overall talent that they didn't have last year. But it's not as if they're affecting wins and losses on a nightly basis. Um, Atkinson is back. He started out hot. He hasn't scored in, I don't know, 120 days or something. Uh, <laughs> like, uh, And the goalie is much better. Both goalies are good. But it is Couturier, that steadying presence that he is, that has just like made this team go from bad to good. I don't know how else to yeah. put it. Like They've gone yeah. from bad to good, and they've essentially added one dude. Now, it's it's their number one center and he's a fucking selkie contender. So I guess this shouldn't blow our minds, but after two back surgeries and 
close to two full seasons off, there was a lot of questions. And yeah. he is he is, at least for the time being, quelled all that. All right. Now, I guess with only a few minutes left in the show, let's do uh, some New Year's resolutions for 2024. And I'll just start because I have mine written down and I want to just read them and then you can do your thing because I don't know if I actually asked you to do this. Um, Right now, based on where they are, make the playoffs and win a round. I think in 2024, that is extremely doable. And win a round, I realize, is a fucking hard thing to do. They had Claude Giroux for 10 years and did it like two times. Um, I just see a team that, Right now, the way I perceive them, they are prepared. They will know when they step on the ice in game one, despite how young they are, despite how many guys they have that may have never been there, they play a way that they will not be overwhelmed uh, by the speed or physicality or intensity of the playoffs because that is the way their coach treats them every fucking Tuesday. Like, I just, I see a team that can definitely win a round. Will they? I am. But that should be the goal for me right now. Now, if they finish strong, and that goes along with this, you need to go either, and I know you're going to laugh, offer sheet Elias Patterson, or, or make a play for Willie Nylander. I don't see, think it's that's fun- I don't think that's out of control. I don't think that's See, crazy to say. It's funny because my my New Year's resolution runs in opposition to this New Year's resolution. <laughs> and right. my New Year's well, my New Year's okay. resolution is keep sight of the plan. Do not be fooled into thinking that this team is ready to go out and spend twelve million dollars a year on a 27, 28 year old. Do not be fooled. They're not ready yet. They are still rebuilding. The worst thing this team could do in this situation, in my opinion, is get all excited because they make the playoffs and, you know, take the New Jersey Devils to seven games or something and look real good doing it. Be like, man, we're back. Let's go be the Flyers again. They've been preaching from the start of this that we're going to be patient, that we're going to do this right. To me, the, the New Year's resolution for the Flyers is don't get sucked into giving up on the rebuild. Keep going. Keep building this the right way. Don't do crazy stuff like trading for Johnny Goudreau or anything like that. Like, let's do this the right way, and let's have a real good team for when Mitchkoff gets over here. I Nylander is the ridiculous one. Like, that's <laughs> just that'll just be fun for me. Like, yeah, we do this every day. I want to do something fun. That's yeah. the and and he's the 27, 28 year old you're talking about. Obviously, Elias Pettersson at like twenty five or whatever he is. Yeah, if, if you can get Elias Pettersson, get Elias yeah, Pettersson. But, but like, I just it's going to cost you. Can. It's going to cost you three first round <laughs> picks and thirteen million dollars if you're lucky. You know, I, these are just the if they finish the way they've played to this point. All right, fuck it. Let's say the timeline is right now, and then when Mitchkov gets here, it's like we have another superstar on an ELC. <laughs> it doesn't matter that we're paying someone thirteen million dollars. You know, it's like yeah, we can pay Drysital because McDavid's on an ELC. Like that's the and like I'm, I'm just if they finish if they finish the season more along the lines, and it could very well happen. I'm liking what I'm seeing even tonight in a loss, like like what I'm seeing out of the team. But if they finish the season more in the way that we expected them to start it, because other teams ramp it up heading towards the playoffs and they fall off because they've been overachieving, I want them to go into the offseason rebuild. Yes, it's another rebuilding offseason. And try to trade into the top 10. You've probably played yourself out of the top 10, but you have a bunch of pieces that you're going to trade, whether you're good or not, like Walker and Sealer are getting traded in my mind. And you already have two first round picks. There ain't no reason you can't get to eight. That's, that's my other end of the new year's resolution. So I'm playing both sides. Yeah. I, I think the, the big goal here at the draft and we'll talk a lot more about this as the as the year progresses in 2024 the goal here is get a guy who you think can be a number one defenseman 
because there's two things this team is missing right now. They're missing in terms of the long-term plan. They're missing a clear-cut number one center. They're hoping that's Cutter Gote. At least he gives them a plausible path to getting that guy. If he sticks at center, if he can become you know a goal-scoring center, that rarity, he could be. They don't have anyone in the pipeline who screams potential number one. Oliver Bonk's a nice prospect. I think he's going to be a solid top four defenseman for a long time. He's not your 26-minute-a-night guy who's just going to run the decor. Travis Anheim's been great this year. He's not that guy either. He's a little too mistake prone. No. He's been he's been significantly better than I expected he ever would be in this role. But, but he's, he's a not good better. other guy. Like, he's a good other guy. He's right now. What we're seeing out of Sanheim is, oh, you put him with a number one, and that shit's yeah. gonna rule. Exactly. So to me, the goal at the draft, and hey, you know what? If 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 you can, and I don't think this guy's gonna be available, but like if you can get a number one defenseman who's twenty four years old by using your draft picks, like hey, go for it. I bet that works. I don't think that guy's gonna be available. So to me, the goal at the draft is going to be get a guy who has the upside to be that number one in two, three years. That's the goal because that's the hole, and that's the hole they're gonna have to fill. And if that means moving up into the top 10, finding some way to do that. If that means trading away one of your big current pieces to get a top 10 pick, like, look, I'm not saying I want to trade Travis Konechny, but if you could trade Travis Konechny for the eighth overall pick and get a potential number one defenseman, like you have to think about it because it's a, it's a big hole. And, and, and that should be a big focus of theirs. Maybe the biggest focus of theirs in the off season is let's have a clear cut path to getting that number one defenseman. There's a lot of real good defensemen in this draft. Let's find a way to get one. Uh, I know I just gave you the wrap it up, but um, my guy is Siliev, right? He's the fucking huge. The six, the, the six foot seven guy. Yeah. 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 Yeah, he's the yeah, I mean one, we can call him silly. And two, <laughs> he's a giant Russian who might be able to like be a number one. That's my guy going into this draft. Hopefully they can figure that out. But uh before we wrap it up, Charlie, you have anything else? No, I think I'm good. I guess to just to end it though, um, since this will be our last show of 2023, I uh, want to thank everyone who's been along for the ride so far. It's been a, a crazy first few months uh, getting you know getting started with this new PHL uh, PHLY venture. Um, obviously, transitioning over from uh, BSH Radio, trans- transitioning over from the Athletic. So thanks so much to everyone who's uh, who's been a part of this so far. Uh, the goal is is to grow it even further, um, and I think that will happen. And number one, as we keep adding more things, which we will be doing over the uh, over the next year and hopefully beyond, but also just as the Flyers hopefully continue to progress and become you know more of the mainstay in Philadelphia sports that they were for most of my life and most of Bill's life. I think it's going to be fun, and I really appreciate everybody who's kind of gotten on the ground floor, and uh, and hopefully it's only uh, we're only going to go further up from here. Charlie said it perfectly, but I just want to say, as I always do, thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. I say it every show, but it means so goddamn much to us. We wouldn't be able to do what we do without everyone who has been along with us uh, on this whole ride. I want to thank Steph Driver. I want to thank Kelly Hinkle. I want to thank everyone at Broad Street Hockey who made this thing possible. Obviously, everyone at PHLY, our guy JP, who's hanging out right now and producing this show as we're doing it from home. Love you, JP. Uh, and Happy New Year to all of our all of our uh, constituents, I guess. I don't know. I've been poisoned by my constituents. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right. It's time to go. It's almost 2 a.m. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for hanging out. If you haven't already, you know where to follow us. I say it every show. You, you can figure it out. My name is Bill Matz for Charlie O'Connor. Go Birds. <laughs> Like the mayor, 